Hello and welcome to Property Matters, a weekly look at all matters property designed to be of interest to anyone who has an interest in property. And Property Matters is supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. Each week we look at all the big stories of the week that are making the news and we chat from time to time to a variety of property professionals. So we'd love to get you involved in the conversation too, wherever you're watching us today. And of course, don't forget to like and subscribe so you get notifications of when we're live. And of course, Property Matters is now available in podcast form on a variety of different channels. Uh, Wherever you uh, enjoy your podcasts, you'll find us there. Just search Property Matters TV. But also to welcome people, of course, who enjoy our show during the week, not necessarily on a Sunday when we're live on the weekly mail out as well. And it's great to see so many of you there. Uh, Let's say good morning to uh, Joe. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. Yes, it's uh, been an eventful week in more ways than one, I think. Um, Ascot, Top Hat Tales and reforms and all sorts of stuff. Um, uh, Quite quite an interesting week um, all round. Of course, uh, whilst we are very good at moaning about the weather, it was good and has been good. And um, but you know what? It's always too hot. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Well, we can't have, uh, escape the fact that property has been completely dominated, or certainly on Wednesday, dominated the news with the uh, release of the rental reform white paper from the government. They've been promise- promising this for a while. They've been talking about it since 2019. And they've uh, put out a fairer private rented sector white paper, setting up the long-term vision for the PRS, the private rental sector. Um, and it says that it'll be fit for the 21st century and delivers a better deal for tenants. So in there, as you probably saw in the news, of course, the abolition of Section 21, no fault evictions, uh, to, and, uh, and introduce a new simpler tenancy structure uh, the, to apply a decent home standard to the rented sector for the first time, introduce a new property portal to help landlords to understand their obligations, introduce a new housing ombudsman, calling all PRS landlords uh, um, and provide covering all PRS landlords, I beg your pardon, and providing redress for tenants. Alongside the white paper, the government also had six other documents, which we won't go into because it gets far too uh, messy at that stage. But the, the big issue, of course, is this Section 21, isn't it, Joe? And that's the one that most landlords are going to be interested in because what the government is saying is the, the assured shoothold tenancy, which the vast majority of people have, uh, is going to be no longer. They don't need short-term uh, tenancies anymore, whereas back in the 80s, in 88, they decided they did. And now they don't want them because it's uh, open to abuse. And they say that under the Housing Act in 1988, you can still evict if you need to for, for legitimate reasons. And you could even use Section 8. What's your view? Yeah, I mean, it is um, a very controversial point, uh, you know, both as a landlord and as an agent um, and for landlords that we acted for in in previous times. And um, of course, the market generally, um, the property market, as you know, is um, the best form of investment there is. And people are constantly looking to invest and renting uh, out is huge uh, as a a marketplace. now, you know, this Section 21, um, uh, yes, it has a, a few things that needs to be um, perhaps tweaked, um, but I, I tend to think that it's a bit of a sledgehammer to um, to beat what we need to, to sort out here. Um, and I think that um, when you look at the Section 21 notice, it's it's been probably the sort of um, insurance policy, if you like, that landlords have had. But 
in the white paper, what they're suggesting fundamentally is that twist is now going to be more in favour of tenants as opposed to landlords. Uh, for example, you know, in, in, in the previous situation, where it sits at the moment um, under the Section 21 notice, you know, landlords can give notice for no particular reason if they just decided that um, they wanted to vacate, uh, have the property vacated or they didn't get on with the tenant, for argument's sake, or um, you know, the tenant hasn't been paying their rent or there's a dispute going on, the easiest thing to do was to give them notice and get on with it. Now, there, there's, there are minuses and pluses with that. The pluses with that is really you're not prolonging the pain because if you are getting on with your tenant, then it's better to just cut and get out and both, both people move on. What this new uh, suggestion is going to be is that the tenant can literally sit there and be a pain until such times as they think that it's fair for them to be moved out and, and there's no time. So it's very much weighed in the tenant's favour as opposed to being in the landlord's favour. Uh, and the reason I think that from the landlord's point is that, you know, it's their investment at the end of the day. They're the ones that paid for it. They own it and they choose to rent it out and it has to be rented out, you know, what I call fairly as opposed to um, perhaps just weighing it all on the tenant's side. The tenants, for you know, for example, are uh, can be a, a great nuisance. They let's take a house, for example, as, as, a, as a, a whole house as opposed to a flat. You know, I know for a fact that you can rent out a whole house, and you'd think that the tenant would be able to maintain and look after the garden because they have a family and they want to do those things, but they absolutely never do. The gardens normally look like a junkyard. They actually you know, use a little patch of area where they think they're going to do the washing or, or, or they might actually occasionally take out a barbecue and the rest of it becomes overgrown. That becomes a nuisance to the neighbours. Um, it causes all sorts of um, other problems. And then, of course, the landlord has to come in at some stage and get that all cut and, and, and reduced. And it's a big bulk cost. But tenants won't do it. Landlords are not normally allowed in to do it because they have to have the enjoyment of peace um, and the place can look pretty rough and your neighbours start to create problems because they'll say to um, the landlord, oh, your garden's overgrown and your tenants are doing this. And your These are all, I mean, they might be superficial little things, but actually it's the little things that become big. And so, you know, levelling up and changing it to the 21st century and giving more um, rights to the tenant in terms of longevity they don't you know are not just there for six months or 12 months they can stay there for longer also must be looked into where the tenants you know have some obligations to make sure that they continue to maintain a home a good home that a landlord has provided um often landlords are are told that they've given them a substandard home i know for a fact that people have you know um, refurbished and, re um, and repaired and given a brand new home almost, you know, fresh liquor paint, new carpets and EUO keys and what they get back is not fit for even, you know, um, <laughs> cats and dogs in some cases, even though cats and dogs are probably a, 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 a now a touchy subject because part of the reason landlords have never allowed um, pets is because they tend to ruin the place in some shape. I mean, there might be a few where, you know, land, uh, tenants are looking after their pets and they're good, but you could end up with a tenant who's decided that, you know, he doesn't care whether that dog is 
scratched or, or done something to the doors or ripped out the carpets or peed in the carpet or whatever they tend to do. Um, and that doesn't help them. To, and that's, those are the controversial things. And if they're going to do this, then they're going to need to sort of look at this uh, on a balance as to what not just landlords' obligations are, but equally what the tenants' obligations should be. Yeah, I mean, they do say that the vast majority of tenants enjoy safe and secure rentals, but that's 21% of the private renting sector um, uh, are currently living in unfit homes. Um, and these are the people that they're trying to help with these new changes. It's interesting, actually, that Section 21 evictions that allow the landlords, obviously, to terminate tenancies without reason, as you say, um, more than a fifth of private renters who moved in 2019 and 2020 did not end their tenancy by choice, including 8% who were asked to leave by the landlord. But you make a good point there. Uh, the property may well have been uh, habitable at the beginning of the tenancy, but of course has deteriorated as they've not looked after it, which is true. And of course, the, the, you mentioned the pets, pets there. They now, under this new legislation, they're going to have, landlords are going to have to make um, consideration for a reasonable request for pets in the home as well, which has uh, caused quite a lot of uh, consternation over the media this week. Because as you say, that can go one of either ways. Yeah, I mean, the pet issue is, is, is um, it really is um, a financial issue. Um, the pet owners obviously unconditionally love their pet um, and basically let them do and get away with whatever they want to get away. It's, it's you know, to, to some extent, it's just like having your children. You know, some, some people will have their children behave uh, uh, impeccably and others won't. I mean, you, you know these situations when you're in a restaurant or somewhere and you know, you sit on a certain table and everything's great. And another one, you know, your child's going to be throwing food all over the place and parents don't take control of it. The same situation happens with pets. Some people's pets are really well behaved and well mannered and, you know, basically sit there and maybe because they're elderly or because they are well trained. They're well home trained to be that way. On the other hand, you get people that just, you know, let run riot. Now, they might be given a very nice house with a new carpet or maintained property, but what they end up giving back to you is, is far from what they got in the first place. And then the landlord is the one that gets penalised for providing an unfit home, actually. But it wasn't unfit at the time they got it. It became unfit because they don't care. Now, there's comments made about, you know, unfit homes like, you know, damp and, and mould and all that sort of stuff. But let me just put that at rest there. Most of that is down to the tenant, yeah? They don't like to open windows. They just hate drying their clothes outside. They whack them on the radiator or hang them in the window. All those, those things are causes for um, mold and damp and so forth. They're not, they, you know, you're not giving someone a house that you're saying, here you are, pay me an X, Y, Z rent, and, and you can go live there, and by the way, the mold is an extra, added extra, you can have that as well. They give them to them absolutely in the right way. And tenants notoriously have a habit of not opening windows, not, sometimes not even open curtains. They leave their ashtrays. They, I mean, it's just, I've, I've been in some of these places and it's just appalling. But the landlord gets the, the bitter end of that by saying, well, you're not providing a good home. Actually, what really annoys me, I suppose, is that, you know, it's a home, whether you own it or whether you're renting it, you're still paying for it. You should be able to look after it and maintain it and keep it in, in good shape whilst you're there. But they don't. They have this mental problem of thinking, well, it's not mine, so I don't care. 
yeah but it is yours because you're paying for it i don't get why people pay rent and then think that it's not mine and then it's the other things the little things that annoys the landlords is that they'll phone you up and say my bulb's not working or go to the shop and buy one i mean that's what you would do if you actually owned it mm. so why is it that you so that then becomes a a bugbear between landlords and tenants tenants say we have got an unfit property because the landlord hasn't changed the bulb for the last 10 days it's after i've lived in darkness the fact that there's probably a shop around the corner and that tenant has gone down there to get his fags and and, and beer could probably bought a bulb for a couple of quid and stuck it in there but it's it's the whole idea of it's not mine and therefore uh, it's the landlord's issue um and i see that a lot for no particular reason and for that reason, they have to really think about this. And that those are the reasons that, that the landlords drive tenants out or they want them out because they're just probably not fit for purpose for a mm. property that they've left in good shape. So half of the problems are created by the tenants. It's just that they plead, oh, you know, I'm being told by the landlord they can't do this and they can't do that. It's because that's how they feel they get, you know, maybe... Uh, the recourse or, or, or maybe reduce the rent or have an argument because the landlord that look, looks at it and says, um, you know, I've, I've rented this out in good faith, in good property, it's a good property, and now I've got somebody. And that's when the six-month notice or the two-month notice really works because you're just not going to get on, give them notice and move on. And that will change when they change this Section 21 um, and allow for people, perhaps unscrupulous tenants, not so unscrupulous landlords, but unscrupulous tenants, to stay put because that's what the law is going to allow them to do and that then long term call will create a problem of how many tenants how many landlords will continue to invest in property um, where they will think about what they're going to do with with tenants that are going to come in and then it's the type of tenants and i'm sure that'll come up in a moment when you when you bring that up in the next the next question yeah i was just uh, looking at the, uh, the the new deal for renting document which um, which has been released and one of the things that they talk about in there is um uh, the 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 um in in one section here they talk about um how existing grounds for possession covered by schedule 2 of the housing act 1988 can be used effectively or reformed in the future once Section 21 is no longer available on and how new grounds should be added to cover the landlord selling or moving into the property. So what that actually says there is that they're looking at um, what exists within Schedule 2 of the Housing Act um, and can that be used effectively or indeed reformed, but this is the word once Section 21 is no longer available. So what they're going to do is they're going to take Section 21 away and then use this schedule 22 and if that doesn't work then they'll reform it it's not like a reform at the same time as getting rid of section 21 that's the, where there's a, a hub another of it for me here is the fact that they they're not going to make a because they say that they will look at section 8 to see how they can boost that up to give the landlord the opportunity um so that's an interesting point whereby they're not doing this all at the same time it seems no, because they're going to do it in pieces. It's a trial and error, isn't it? And mm. so we'll we'll take this away, try this, and if it doesn't work, we'll come back and do something else. Why waste that time? Why put in the in that journey? They're going to put a lot of landlords uh, into the courtroom with with, ar with arguments with tenants um, on a, a you know section two, possibly um, subsection twenty one a, possibly another <laughs> scenario. 
and you know, and so the only winners in this are going to be um, the lawyers taking the situation to court, and of course uh, the system itself, and perhaps the tenant because they'll sit there for doing it, sitting there for, for no no with no cost or no rent because they'll have a, an argument, and the losers will be the landlords in this, um, and I think when they they they're almost taking it almost too too much of an extreme in my mind. Yes, I accept that there might be some changes, and really maybe there should be a section 21A as opposed to section 21 and give some breakages in that and say that the, these things are, are got to be considered. But to take it and abolish it completely and then put nothing in there until we tried it and, and, and seen if it works and then bring another um, uh, you know, reform into it um, is, is gambling hugely in a marketplace and in a, in a, in a sector that you know, has kept um, everybody's interest highly um, in, in, in the marketplace and also um, the government because at the end of the day every time somebody is buying a property to rent out they also are making money through stamp duty and so forth but if they actually get this horribly wrong they're going to be finding that um, people may not want to invest in um, property too much uh, and have, have this situation and rent it out to, to tenants. Then it'll be, the, it'll be the type of tenants and I'm sure that is a, it'll be another part of the white paper that they will look at. Well, they're, they're, they're saying obviously that, you know, roughly a fifth of uh, tenancies um, cause a problem or there's some issue with them at some point, whether they're in poor quality housing or whether the landlord is, uh, is, is you know, putting the rent up for no reason, whatever. And the, the wording is, is, is very clear from the government. Currently, many landlords have the unilateral power to evict a tenant from their home without reason. This creates an unequal dynamic that undermines the relationship between landlords and tenants and potentially erodes trust between the two parties. Landlords who evict tenants for rent arrears or antisocial behaviour using a no-fault ground mask valid reasons for ev eviction, which fuels a culture of mistrust and uncertainty. So what they're saying really, I mean, that's quite powerful language and, that, and there are cases where, you know, both sides of that, that sort of 20% um, of people roughly that are in, in, in dispute, whether it be the landlord or the, or the tenant, the... The, the 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 issue is that they want to sort of sort that section section of it out um and what they're really saying there is that you can't just use a no fault eviction to get rid of antisocial behavior or rent arrears we need a specific area where you can say right that's what they're suggesting is that rent arrears would be one reason that you could get somebody out antisocial behavior that needs to be even more strengthened which i think you you couldn't um, disagree with um and and the fact that you want to maybe move into it or sell it yourself so they're suggesting that maybe section eight could be strengthened but you can't use a no fault to get rid of somebody because you're not telling them the reason why you're getting them out you're, you're giving them um, no valid reason it's just I, I don't need to tell you because i've got a no fault eviction so from that point of view you can understand the wisdom of it and, but the, what the worry, I suppose, for landlords will be, is the new section going to be as tough or tougher or, <laughs> as we might suspect, um, not as uh, without as much teeth as it has under Section 21? Paul, so let's just, let's just run a scenario here. Um, you live next door to a property that has been rented out. Um, you have uh, your wife and your children and, and your cat and your dog. You have a lovely life there, and then the guy next door has moved in who's absolutely a nightmare. Um, you know, he's got 
everything that's going wrong. The garden now starts to look rubbish at the front because he's cars that he thinks he's going to do up, and they're all becoming like scrap yard. You know, your this is your neighbour, and you're going to talk to your the landlord of that property and say, look, mate, I'm living next door to this house, and you know, your tenant that you put in there is absolutely you know trashing the place. He chucks his garbage over my fence when I'm not looking, um, and so on. And they got the noise. They play the music too loud. His kids are sitting outside the car, in the car, you know, pumping out music out of the car. All of that stuff. This, this, what I'm saying is, are genuinely what happens out there. And so, as a landlord next door to, to your property where you're living peacefully and enjoying it as a family. You're going to say to that landlord, that's antisocial behaviour, I want that moved. And the landlords are going to say to you under the new section, well, yes, we'll, we'll, we've, we've got to get into an arbitration of discussion because the guy there, which I gave him a very nice house to, has now turned it into trash and he's got longevity because I can't kick him out at a no reason eviction or whatever. I've got to go through this whole motion for the next year. And you, as the neighbour, have got to put up with it. And that's that's the that's the reality of what happens, and that's why the Section Twenty One has always worked well. And nobody's used it and abused it really. You might get the odd, but they only use it when they're actually pushed. When you get a tenant in the house that is not looking after it, creating a problem with uh, with the neighbours, neighbours that perhaps you used to live next to, or they you were your neighbours. You know, they might have decided that mm-hmm. they've actually moved in somewhere else, kept the house and rented it, but you were neighbours, friends next door, and now they're put in. So that, that's, just take that into the context and see how unreal this, this whole thing about, you know, getting rid of Section 21 means. And then you've got next door to, so you now lost a friend, you've got a bad neighbour, and you're stuck with noisy irresponsible people because the government says they are trying to be fair who are they trying to be fair to you know at the end of the day they're policing something in my mind that is not needed to be policed to such an extent there may be some tweaks that need to happen but to abolish a section 21 completely which gives them gives the landlords the opportunity to move people that are antisocial to a situation where they will turn around and say, well, they've got longevity. And trust me, I know of, of, of situations. I know of neighbours and, and, and people that have bought property, and I know of people that live next to those properties who are an absolute nightmare. But th- those people are going to win in this situation because they're just going to go, well, I can stay here as long as I want. A, if I, I pay my rent on time, that's fine. You can't throw me out for that reason. You know, the only time he can buy and take me out of here is if he's going to sell it or he wants to move in it himself. Those are, those are the two points that is so all of a sudden somebody's got to kick someone out because they want to move in themselves or they want to sell it, which means there's no income, which means it can't be sold off as an investment property, whereas at the moment they do sell them off as investment properties with a tenant sitting in there. People say, okay, there's rental coming in, so we'll sell it off as an investment property because it gives you some sort of yield. But if you've got a lousy tenant, you're stuck. You're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to sell it. Um, and you, if you vacate it, you're going to have a, a void period, an empty house for perhaps two, three, four months, which then is going to need to be refurbished. So you've got to throw more good money into that to do that. It's, you know, I think it's a, it's a bit of a sledgehammer job, really, to, to, to do something that is not as 
drastic as they are trying to make out, at least in my experience. And I'm, I'm on, on the front line here. You know, I hear this directly from landlords and tenants that, that are out there. And perhaps the mm. government sees it in a sector, maybe in some areas that it might be, you know, rife, but other areas is perfect. I did hear on a, a, a phone-in show in the week, very interesting um, comment by somebody that was working in estate agency and um, or lettings agent. And what they did say was that they know of a practice and it has a name and I wish I could remember what the name was, but essentially what happens is when you've got a letting agent involved, the agent tells the tenant at the end of the uh, tenancy period that the landlord wants the tenant out because they're going to do something different with the property, for example. The letting agent then tells the landlord that the uh, tenant wants to leave, thus creating new fees for putting a new tenant in for the letting agent and also obviously giving an opportunity to up the rent. So it's clear and that's that's quite a widespread practice as this person was uh, alluding to um, and was a bit of a whistleblower i suppose but that's an interesting um scenario isn't it you tell the tenant that they must leave um and the uh, uh, they tell the landlord that the tenant wishes to leave and then they get a new fee of course because there's a setup fee for putting a new tenant in there and they also get a higher rent quite possibly so that's the sort of thing i guess that they're trying to stamp out because in this situation, there's one-fifth of these um, tenancy agreements and so on, the lettings agreements that don't actually work out properly. And you're always going to have good and bad and everything, aren't you, really? But that's a, an interesting practice that, that I heard of. Yes. I mean, look, there's going to be all sorts of practices that people try and do to up this. I mean, the other side of the coin is that when you get a good tenant... And, and they've been there for maybe a year, two years, three years, and so forth. And you are always frightened of perhaps losing them and the relationship you've got because you want to hike their rent. But at the same time, when you actually balance that against moving them out, doing the place up, paying the rent, uh, 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 starting a new tenancy, having an agency that's going to charge you for a new fee, etc., it does make sense. So a lot of landlords... Um, don't bother increasing their rent because uh, they rather have it, you know, consistent and say, I've, I've got it and I don't need to do all of this. Why fix something that's not broke, I suppose, what comes to my mind. But when the time comes, they want to vacate. So if this agent has said, you know, blow, stroke whistleblower, that this sort of practice happened, that's when you need those agents stamped out because at the end of the day, um, it's not. The, it's probably not a fair thing. They might be doing it because they're going to get another fee. But I think a lot of landlords, what, they, what, what the whole system forgets is a whole bunch of landlords out there who actually, you know, for the sake of another maybe £50 a month or whatever it might be, they'd rather have the longevity and the comfort of that tenant that's there and he's a good tenant and they get on quite well than to just sort of every six months give notice to someone, increase the rent and so forth. The tenancy agreement as it stands at the moment does have a clause in there for an annual percentage increase in the rent. But I can tell you that very few landlords have ever exercised that. And when they do go to exercise it, they always find it's at a dangerous point because the tenant might say, well, I can't afford any more rent. And then it only makes worse when the tenant perhaps is, is, is getting benefits from the local authority 
and the local authority are not going to increase their benefit and so subsequently it becomes unaffordable to them um, and they then go to the council to, to their benefit agency and say my landlord is being unfair and whacking the rent up and that opens another can of worms between the landlord and the council and the tenant and all of this becomes uh, uncomfortable um, and that's one of the reasons why people start to say okay well look you know, I, I was only being fair. You've been here for three years. I thought, you know, you should have a £50 a month increase. Now you're saying that I'm being unfair about that. You've just lived here for three years. I haven't paid any more. Council can't afford to pay you. I'm going to be the loser here. So I'm going to be damned if I do. I'm going to be damned if I don't, whichever way, way you look at it. So um, yeah, I think the cry for the tenants is huge here. And, and the government's been listening to that. But I think they don't realise that a lot of the tenants actually cause quite a lot of the problem it's not always down to the landlords do you know even landlords paul find it difficult sometimes to get in and repair things because the tenant won't allow them in mm. um and you try and find tradespeople nowadays who can go in at a certain time or, or, or will do certain things in a certain way and if you can't get them at the time there you can't get a tradesperson for another six weeks maybe to come back around again so mm. you know i don't think it's it's particularly well thought out but i'm sure we're going to be um, chatting about this for a long time uh, and there'll be lots of different views on this. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they've done some research. Um, that they say that the majority of rented homes are of good quality, offering safe and comfortable accommodation. But they say 12% of households or roughly half a million properties pose an imminent risk to tenants' health and safety, meaning around 1.6 million people are living in dangerously low quality homes, which is driving up costs for the NHS, which is an interesting point. So clearly there are some uh, substandard properties and they, they're suggesting that they need some kind of legislation to force those landlords to bring the standard of the accommodation up to scratch, which you know you could argue would actually impact on uh, people's health people's health paul the number one thing about people's health and anyone's health your health my health it's up to us to look after our health it's not up to the landlord to look after your health um and, and therefore there are measures that you would do if you don't feel well you go to a doctor you, your teeth are hurt and you go to a de dentist and if you're feeling unwell and something's not right about your home, you look after it. What these tenants tend to do is put that burden on the landlord and say, my home is unfit uh, to, to live in because I've made it unfit because I don't want to open the windows. I don't allow general air into the area. It's got condensation. I've not washed the shower down. I haven't bothered to clean the place after. It looks dirty. And that's all the landlord's fault. No, it's not the landlord's fault. It's your fault because you haven't bothered to clean it yourself. And it's the same as health. So if you can't look after your own health, then why is this is just is in my mind, and I'm probably going to get slaughtered for this. But the, the fact is that the tenants do not take care about um, themselves and their property. And I've seen this time and time again over the years. Um, I just don't do the basics, simple little things. Have a shower, just open a little bit of window. No, the whole place will be steamed up like a sauna because they think it's going to catch a cold if they open the window. Well, they won't even open the window after they've had the shower so that the steam couldn't go out. That then stays on the walls, that becomes mold, you know, and they say, oh, it's damp. Um, it catches in the corner and so forth and so forth. So you know, it becomes unhealthy because you make it unhealthy. If you were in your own home and you weren't paying a rent for it, trust me, you will make sure 
that you will look after it. It's the same old adage about, you know, your own car or rented car. When you rent a car, you think, oh, well, it's going to go back. I don't give it, don't mind, you know, going over the speedy bumps or making sure whatever it is. But it's your own car. You're going to go over nice and slowly, park it properly. All about ownership. And that's what landlords do. Landlords own these properties because they want to make a return on it. They give it to you in a, in a good shape. So if you look at the percentage, 12% of the land, of, of the actual uh, amount, it's, it's really a small percentage if you think about it. But what they're saying, they're using this whole system to tidy up for 12% of the people that are saying that the homes are unfit. The majority of those homes are unfit because the people that live in them let them be unfit. Well, what about uh, what about those lands? We've all seen the stories, you know, whereby um, you know people that probably haven't got the right papers to live in the UK, that kind of thing, and you suddenly find that when they go into these properties, the landlord's been renting it, and there's six people in one room, and another five people in another room, and they're all on mattresses on the floor. We've all seen those circumstances and those situations on TV, on the news, and so on. Um, you know, clearly there are good and bad on both sides. And there is definitely landlords that are exploiting the situation. And you probably could argue that even with all this change, they're still going to come under the wire. Totally. That's still going to happen. There's always going to be, look, you know, uh, they say rules are made and there are some will bend them and the others will break them. And there's always going to be somebody who's going to come along and take it to an extreme. And yes, I've also been in those property where you've had, you know, three or four beds in the same room and, and, and there's a rotation and you've got one family, maybe two children stuck in a room. It's unfortunate those situations uh, exist. A, they, they allow it. B, the councils allow it. So let me just say that it's also the councils that give the benefits, allow these families to live in a room because they can't supply the accommodation, so they have no choice and they give them to landlords that say, okay, well, I don't care. It's a numbers game for me. So if it means I've got five people in one room and they're paying me per person, per, you know, and I, I'm going to get that, I'm here for the money. I'm only in it for the, uh, for the money. So I don't mind. So yeah, you're always going to get some of those. But broadly speaking, most people that buy properties as an investment to rent out do it with a good intention and a good heart. And they sometimes yeah. come across tenants that also think, well, I'll take the piss, I've got this nice house, I've done the system, and now I'm going to trash it. It is unfair to put the whole burden on the landlords. There are going to be people always, no matter what happens. Well, they're saying they're going to give councils, councils stronger powers to tackle the worst offenders, um, uh, increasing fines for serious offences. Um, uh, in addition, to, to Britain's 2.3 million private landlords, they're going to support them, they say, with a new private renters ombudsman, which will basically hear the disputes in a sort of housing court, which avoids going to a proper court, as it were. They can do that at a lower cost. They're saying that they'll give them uh, stronger powers to evict antisocial tenants um, and anyone who wants to sell their property or move into it, they'll give them stronger powers to be able to do that so they can use that as a legitimate legal reason. And they're saying that's how they're going to um, balance the, the trade-off with the loss of the uh, Section 21. And they're going to have a new property portal that will provide a single front door to help landlords understand their obligations and responsibilities. What do you think about this uh, so-called ombudsman um, having a housing court to get these things through quicker? 
because there's no doubt about it, the, the whole system is completely clogged up in terms of the courts and getting your case heard at the moment. Well, there's a number of reasons why these uh, systems are clogged up. Um, and they are because there are um, unfair circumstances throughout. The landlord will go to the extreme in um, saying, I've got to have this person out of my house because it's causing me lots of problems. But what I'd like to ask really is who's going to take the council to court? You know, they're giving all these things, extra powers to the council. And actually, the councils are equally, and if not quite largely, at fault in doing this. They also don't have the accommodation that they need to provide um, in order to give them a fair accommodation. Either they've sold them off or they haven't got enough homes built in their area. So they then end up um, allowing and, and, and putting uh, tenants, small families, into squalors and squatting horrible squats, which landlords will say, okay, well, I don't care. You know, that's all I've got. Um, either you put them in, in, in the holiday inn in a nice room and pay for that, or you put them in here. And some families don't want to live in a hotel because it's not just the money of, of the room. It's the fact that when you're there, you end up spending money on things that you perhaps normally wouldn't do. You won't have all the cooking facilities in a, in a hotel room, but you have to go and buy, you know, buy something from their restaurant. Whereas here, people will say, okay, well, I'd rather have my own place, even though it's one room, and I've got a kitchen which I can, you know, do my, my cooking in. So uh, who's going to take the council to account? Because the council are just as bad in being intense um, into, uh, into properties just because they haven't got the facilities and they just think, oh, well, I'll just let them go in here. And then they are going to police, ironically, the landlords who's going to say, well, you put a tenant in here who's not a, a good tenant. But I'm stuck with that tenant and you're now going to run a court um, uh, on the base of that, you know, I'm a bad person. It's, it's your tenant. You sent that tenant to me. So a number of um, landlords that are on um, uh, local council lists where councils have them as preferred landlords to be able to accommodate last minute, late night, people that have had arguments, someone that's been kicked out of their homeless, whatever, they put them into the certain types of properties. And it's the council that do that, Paul. So who's going to take them to court? You know, uh, because they haven't got the facilities. And then the, the landlord gets lumbered with it because, you know, he's the bad guy. He's put them in there. Because, but they, what they forget is he's been probably told by the council, you've got to take this person tonight because I haven't got anywhere to put them. The thing to remember here is that this is a consultation period at the moment. This is a white paper, a discussion document. And if you go on the, 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 the government website, it basically gives you the opportunity to have your say and put your views forward. So if anybody wants to do that, look that up uh, and go and have your say on this bill. It will come to law at some point in this session. Uh, that's what they said in the Queen's speech. So it'll be sometime this year. The suggestion is towards the end of this year. So um, this is the time if you have strong feelings on the matter to go and have your say uh, on the government website. So um, I think, Joe, we've, we've, we've run out of time actually today. We're, we're at the end of our conversation, a good 40 minutes talking about the renters reform bill. I knew it was always going to be a contentious one. Um, and uh, hopefully um, highlighting these features has uh, helped us to uh, illustrate what the government's proposing. And uh, we've 
try to set some balance on, on the issue for you. So that's our renters reform special, I suppose we'll call it this week. Uh, thank you very much indeed for watching our show. Hope you found that of interest. And we'll be back, of course, at the same time next week with another Property Matters. Mm -hmm.